Hello and welcome aboard this island nation, the Maritime Programme. Tom McSweeney here with the programme about Ireland's maritime culture, history, tradition and development. On this edition, going from 25 sailors to millions around the world. We've gone from those 25 people back in 1720 to now thousands of yacht clubs across the world and with literally millions of sailors involved. So it truly is a, uh, a phenomenal sport. The oldest yacht club in the world will be reaching 300 years in existence. Though much less older, two whales on the Kerry coastline are showing that there is actually a binding liaison between the male and the female of the species. This record of two humpback whales still together on their feeding grounds 20 years later is a great story. These two whales have shown remarkable fidelity to each other. This island nation is Ireland's maritime radio programme coming to you from the studios of CRY 104FM in Yole on the East Cork coastline with the intention and the hope of bringing together through the community radio network the maritime community around Ireland with news, opinion, comment and discussion and so uniting the joint interest of an island people bounded by the sea around us. The seas are still some of the most unexplored parts of this world and from time to time they reveal unusual and indeed wonderful stories as this one which Dr Simon Barrow, he's chief executive of the Irish Whaling Dolphin Group, now tells us. 20 years ago on the 15th of September 1999, Owen O'Mahony was heading out to the Kinsale gas field for just another routine day as chief officer on board the supply vessel MV Seahorse Supporter. Owen told the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group, I was off watch asleep when the captain burst into my cabin, waking me up. In an excited West Cork accent, he said, Where is your camera? We have whales in the gas field. I got dressed and ran up to the wheelhouse where my camcorder was charging. Owen filmed three humpback whales leisurely swimming around the platform, spy hopping and fluking near the vessel. Two years later, he made his video available to the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group, and we managed to get digital grabs of two partial flukes, just recognisable as different individual whales. The Irish Humpback Whale Photo ID catalogue was born, with Whale ID 1 and Whale ID 2. It was another five years until we photographed these whales again, together, off West Cork, in September 2004. On Tuesday the 17th of September 2019, just over 20 years since these whales were first recorded, we photographed them again, together, just west of the Blasket Islands, County Kerry. Ireland is an important feeding area for humpback whales. Humpbacks socialise and associate on the breeding grounds, which have recently been discovered for whales in Ireland off West Africa. Recent studies show that female humpback whales, which share genetic material, are more likely to associate on the feeding grounds than non-related individuals. Males may form stable relations with females, but only within a season and not beyond it, while males do not show any associations with other males. Irish humpback one is a male. It was biopsy sampled in 2012. We don't know the gender of Irish humpback two, but these two whales have shown remarkable fidelity to each other. 
This record of two humpback whales still together on their feeding grounds 20 years later is a great story. The discovery and filming of these whales in 1999 off the Kinsale gas rigs by Owen O'Mahony is also a great story. These stories are confirmation of the great work the Irish Whale and Dolph Group are doing, carrying out, collecting and sharing and disseminating images of humpback whales in Ireland from a range of sources and demonstrates the enormous value of citizen science, if handled correctly. Clearly, the more we learn about these iconic whales, the more interesting and amazing they become. Read the whole story on the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group website under News. This is Dr Simon Barrow of the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group for This Island Nation. A wonderful story from the world of whales. I'm not sure about Simon's Cork accent, mind you, but the story of those two whales is remarkable and calls to mind how in many years past, when I first started reporting Maritime Matters, I never imagined that we would be seeing whales in Irish waters. The Irish Whale and Dolphin Group was founded in 1990 to establish an Irish Whale and Dolphin sighting and stranding scheme and to campaign for the declaration of Irish territorial waters as a whale and dolphin sanctuary and it has succeeded in those aims and continues its remarkable work. Their website is iwdg.ie with a lot more information and as we recorded this edition of the programme it was reporting that humpback whales had been sighted in Donegal Bay. So far this year there have been 98 validated sightings of humpback whales in Irish waters. 51 off Kerry, 42 off Cork and one each off Clare, Down and Antrim. The I WDG says that the two sightings in Donegal Bay are important. If you've never seen one in real life, it is astonishing, as is the haunting song of the humpback whale. Sport of Sailing, the oldest yacht club in the world, that's the Royal Cork Yacht Club at Crosshaven in Cork Harbour, will be 300 years old next year. Colin Moorhead will be the club's admiral, leading celebrations of the event, the tricentenary for which the slogan is where it all began. And indeed, that is just where sailing did begin, as a sport in Cork Harbour, about which he's been telling me. Yeah, I suppose uh, we're bringing it back to where it all began, Tom, um, in terms of the Yacht Club was founded in 1720 by 25 like-minded individuals. And if I whistle stop forward 300 years, we now have 1,900 members and we're based in Crosshaven in the Royal Cork. So, yeah. Extraordinary to think it all happened maybe a mile or two nautical miles from where the club now is at an island in the harbour. That's right. Uh, the original clubhouse would have been on Hall Bolan, now maybe more famous for the fact that the Irish Naval Service is based there. And it's interesting, the links that we've maintained with the Irish Naval Service have been phenomenal. Um, they're very involved in our celebrations next year. Uh, they're very supportive. 
It's an astonishing to think that from, as it was then called, the water boys of Cork, it spread throughout the world. Yeah, I suppose, look, the, the, the whole involvement of, of sailing has been amazing. Uh, so I suppose the the whole thing about sailing um, has flourished over the years. So we've, we've gone from those 25 people back in 1720 to now thousands of yacht clubs across the world and with literally millions of sailors involved. So it truly is a, uh, a phenomenal sport that it's a pleasure to be involved with. Next year in Cork Harbour it will be astonishing in its own way. The events promised, the ones being scheduled, bring in people from all over the world. Quite literally. Uh, we've con- confirmed entries coming from Australia, Hong Kong, uh, New Zealand, uh, South Africa, you name it. So that We really do have people coming and our message has been very much along the lines of you know, come and help us celebrate. We just happen to be the club that has a you know, history that goes back that length of time. But this really is a celebration of sailing, number one. But I suppose something that we've been very strong on within the Yacht Club is to say it's bigger than the Yacht Club, especially in Cork. Uh, we have a phenomenal harbour, as you know, Tom, and we regularly compete against each other uh, in that harbour, 200-odd uh, kilometres of coastline, but the history that's involved in that club, and that's been an interesting piece, has been uncovering some of that history uh, that I wasn't aware of, um, and it really is, you know, uh, Ireland's maritime haven. And that history does make the RCYC, the oldest yacht club in the world, very proud of that title. Hugely proud of that title. Um, It's uh, something personally that I'm very proud as I sit here in front of you uh, to have that crest on my chest um, representing that yacht club. But I suppose, you know, it's an acknowledgement of of all of the effort that its members, the people of Cork, um, and it's, I suppose, more importantly, it's something indeed that the people of Cork are very proud of, I think, um, that Ireland is very proud of. And, you know, recently at this International Council of Yacht Clubs forum, um, it was something that struck me very strongly how proud they were to be associated with the Yacht Club by being here in Cork. The schedule, it's a huge programme. The highlights include a gathering, Cork Week, of course, international gathering. So piles of events going on involving not just the club itself, as you say, but an invitation to people generally to come and participate. Very much so. And I think this has been the big thing for us that I I said it earlier. This has to be a celebration about the harbour. So we've been calling on community groups around the harbour to get involved, whether that be from having a swim to uh, a a cycling event. Um, Interestingly, the Cover Spectacular uh, has already been launched. it's going to be run in conjunction with our events uh, in July of 2020. And I think that typifies the example of a a bunch of people in the community getting together and saying, okay, well, how can we marry up with this big event that's happening in 2020 and really showcase Cork, its harbour, its people, everything that goes with it uh, in a very positive light. A whole year of concentrating on sailing. That's something to look forward to for those of us who are committed to the sport. Yeah, and and I think you know for those of you for those of us who are been maybe new to the sport as well, um, I think you know sailing can sometimes have a bit of an image that goes with it in terms of you know maybe not as accessible etc as people think it is. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm regularly reminded you can go out and buy a set of golf clubs and go and go and play a game of golf. Equally, yacht clubs and sailing clubs and sailing centres and sailing schools 
up and down the breadth of this country are making it as accessible as they possibly can. Uh, Irish Sailing, through their tri-sailing programme, are hugely invested in making sure that people, young and old, you know, so children and adults, can get out in the water and enjoy this magnificent resource that our island nation has. Colin Moorhead there, making it clear that sailing is a sport for all. Yawl, from where we broadcast this island nation, is synonymous with the story of Moby Dick, another whale story. The town was once reconstructed in a film set to look like New Bedford in the USA, a whaling town. And that was for John Huston's film starring Gregory Peck. That was way back in 1954, a time when hundreds travelled to Yawl to see the film being made. A statue of the legendary Captain Ahab of that story is to be unveiled in the town. Justin Marr spoke to Sandra McClellan from Yole Chamber of Tourism and Development who has a personal connection to the film. Her grandmother was an extra during filming at the quayside in Yole. Back in the day when there was little or no employment in Yole, a lot of the women didn't go out to work. But when Moby Dick came to town, Nearly all the women went out to work and they were all employed as extras and the whole quayside was a hive of activity and they all went down for weeks and months on end and were all employed as extras on the film. She often spoke about it and um, it was good times. Um, it, it brought um, good times to you all and nice memories. I've seen loads of photographs of her dressed um, in her film outfits and um, I actually saw the film there when they actually showed it at a festival on the side of the clock eight and I could see her plainly for eight to ten seconds on the film and it was lovely to see because my grandmother passed away in 1989. So it was lovely to see it, um, you know, great memories. How did the statue come about, Sandra? Well, Yall for All are a voluntary organisation here in Yall, and they get involved in promoting Yall from a tourism point of view. They organise all the festivals, they organise St Patrick's Day Parade, they get involved in cleanups. And it started off as an idea if we could commission a sculpture to commemorate the making of the film Moby Dick here in Yall because Moby Dick is part of our modern day history. And between working with the council and working with the planners, the Moby Dick sculpture was put out to tender and Matthew Thompson was awarded the project. Now the overall cost of the project was actually €35,000, so it was a big undertaking. So Yall for All went about fundraising. Now they were very lucky, they got a donation from Irish public bodies, they got um, a donation of 15000 from Cork County Council and then through local sponsorship and a donation from New Bedford because New Bedford is our twin city and Moby Dick was actually filmed in Yall because it was similar to New Bedford in the 1850s. The Friendly Sons of St Patrick in New Bedford also made a sizeable donation to the project. The sculpture itself has been finished pretty much, hasn't it? Um, oh, what's it looking like? It's absolutely fantastic. We actually took a trip, um, the All for All committee. We went down there a few weeks back, down to Matthew Thompson's workshop. He lives just outside Cloyne, um, near Ballycotton. And, um, oh my God, it's absolutely outstanding. It far exceeded our expectations. The craftsmanship that went into it, he's so, so talented. I think everybody in town is going to be so pleased when they see the finished result. It's just fantastic. 
From a tourism standpoint, because you're involved with the tourist office here in Yule, what is the significance as a tourist offering for Yule? I mean, there's been a lot of development in the work of Walter Raleigh and the Raleigh sector of Yule. How does this add and complement to that heritage offering? Well, I think it's part of our modern day history, all steeped in history. We have the Clockade Tower and we have the medieval gardens. We have so much to offer visitors. But this is part of our modern day history. And Moby Dick is recognised, particularly in America. I think it's on the curriculum of every school. Um, everybody knows the film Moby Dick. And I think when the buses pull in, the visitors will want to be photographed with it because it's going to be there on the quayside and it's very, very attractive. It's going to be on social media, Instagram. It'll be widely photographed around the world and I think people will look and say, where's that? That's y'all. And I hope it will put y'all on the map again. In terms of the heritage offering, Yule, of course, was famously an international port for a long time. It was um, one of the biggest ports in Europe at one time, yes. But um, unfortunately, there's not as much activity in the port now. But I think the sculptor will add to the many visual amenities and attractions that we have in the town. I mean, I hope that the Maritime Museum will come. There is talk that the courthouse will be developed and hopefully part of that might bring a maritime museum. I think it's badly needed. I think it's something that everybody wants. But I think that the sculpture will look fantastic on the quayside and will commemorate the making of the film. It's made of Kilkenny limestone. It's going to last 100, 150, 200 years. It's going to be there long after we're all gone, unfortunately. It's absolutely outstanding and I think it's just going to be another visual attraction in the town, another thing that people want to come and see. Sandra McClellan from Yall Chamber of Tourism and Development talking there to Justin Marr and Matt Thompson, the sculptor whom she mentioned, is also making the memorial to Edward Bransfield, the man from Ballinacurra in nearby East Cork also, who discovered Antarctica and that will be unveiled next January. A lot happening in Cork and Maritime Turns in 2020. And Yall Library are currently exhibiting a number of pictures from the filming of Moby Dick in Yall until the 11th of October. The exhibition includes colour footage of the making of Moby Dick at the Old Quayside and a short behind-the-scenes documentary. And the exhibition also has a number of archive photos from the area, including a clip of another historic boat, the metal boat, the Dee Wadden, which was a regular site on the Old Quayside. Now, many people may associate the Mediterranean and Adriatic with beautiful blue waters and relatively calm seas, but they can be different. As John Leach, Chief Executive of Water Safety Ireland, tells us now, that was the experience of the National Lifeguards team when they took part in the European Lifesaving Championships there. But they still did quite well, with a man from Clare becoming European Ocean's champion. The sport of surf lifesaving reached its peak in September. Our lifeguards and lifesavers have been competing throughout the summer at various competitions around our coastline in preparation for the European Lifesaving Championships, which were held in Riccioni on the east coast of Italy in the province of Rimini, facing the Adriatic Sea. They took place over five days from the 20th to the 24th of September, and over 1,500 athletes competed. Most of us associate the Mediterranean and Adriatic with beautiful turquoise or blue waters and relatively calm seas in comparison to our west coast. This year, strong easterly onshore winds whipped up a short and choppy sea which made the conditions challenging for all our competitors. This suited our teams who are used to heavy and rough seas which we experience most of the year on our coastline and especially the west coast facing the Atlantic Ocean. 
Four Irish teams competed in the championships, including open men's and women's teams, as well as junior men's and women's teams. The teams consist of six members, and they competed in both pool and in the surf competitions. There are 23 different disciplines within the championships which they must compete in, so there's very little time to recover from your exertions during the competition. Our teams excelled themselves with the senior team placed 7th overall and the junior teams placed 6th overall in Europe. Our teams won four gold medals, giving us four European titles for our first time ever. In addition, they won 20 silver and 16 bronze medals. Bernard Cahill from Clare was crowned the European Ocean Man champion, which is the toughest of all the surf disciplines combined. Running these championships takes several hundred volunteers and a large number of referees are required with so many disciplines. Ireland was fortunate to have three referees involved in the championships, which gives them a great opportunity to further and improve their knowledge and experience. Next year, at the same location, the World Championships will take place and we will be hoping for more rough conditions in the surf that will suit our athletes. So, until next month, enjoy your aquatic activities and always wear a life jacket on or near the water and use your influence to further reduce the number of drownings on our island nation. John Leach reporting. And now Justin Marr rounds up other news from home and overseas waters. A team of Irish-led international scientists on board the RV Celtic Explorer have completed the third and final leg of an extensive offshore reef study after a 21-day expedition investigating sensitive deep-sea habitats at the outer extent of the continental shelf off the southwest of Ireland. The three-year project, called Sea Rover, Sensitive Ecosystem Assessment and ROV Exploration of Reef, has mapped 154 separate locations within Ireland's marine territory during their time at sea in one of the most significant deep-water habitat assessments undertaken in this country. The three Sea Rover surveys between 2017 and 2019 involved a combined 63 days at sea, recorded 332 hours of high-definition video from the seafloor, almost 14 days of footage, and have undertaken detailed studies of 350 kilometres of seabed along a shelf extent of nearly 2,500 kilometres. The data and findings will contribute to good fisheries practice and the sustainable management of Ireland's marine biodiversity. Royal Navy bomb disposal experts have destroyed a World War II device found in the wreck of a 17th century warship. The 987 kilograms explosive was towed away from the protected remains of the sunken vessel near Southend Pier. Divers worked on the bomb in a six-day operation, working mainly by touch because of poor visibility. Lieutenant Ben Brown said the eight-strong team had worked in some of the most challenging diving conditions. The German parachute ground mine was one of the biggest bombs used by the Luftwaffe during the war. The bomb was discovered by civilian divers from historic England during an archaeological dive on the shipwreck London, which was launched in 1656 and sank in 1665. The bomb was detonated five miles away at the disposal site at Shoeburness off the Essex coast. Staying with naval matters, the United States Navy is to revert destroyers back to physical throttle and traditional helm control systems. Investigations after USS Fitzgerald and USS McCain fatal collisions showed their touchscreen systems too complex and that they contributed to loss of ship control. 
Seven sailors died when the USS Fitzgerald collided with the Philippine-flagged container ship ACX Crystal southwest of Tokyo on the 17th of June 2017. Two months later, ten sailors died aboard McCain when it collided with a Liberian-flagged tanker off the coast of Singapore on the 21st of August. Humans should not be forgotten in the rush towards autonomous ships, says the Nautical Institute, which is the international organization for maritime professionals. It has launched the Humane Project to highlight these issues. Finally, fish feel pain in a strikingly similar way to mammals, including humans, a new study claims. Fish given an electric shock in one part of the tank stopped feeding there, researchers from the University of Liverpool reported in the Philosophical Transactions of the Royal Society Bee Journal. The fish would refuse to feed for three days, effectively starving themselves. Other fish were documented hyperventilating, waving their injury tails and rubbing parts of their body after an injury. When subject to a potentially painful event, fishes show adverse changes in behaviour, such as suspension of feeding and reduced activity, which are prevented when a pain-relieving drug is provided, said Dr Lynn Snedden of the University of Liverpool. If we accept fish experience pain, then this has important implications for how we treat them, Dr Snedden said. John Walsh from Bear Island in West Cork has been elected chairman of the European Small Islands Federation at their annual general meeting in Sweden. He works in community development with the Bear Island Projects Group, is a board member of Kogol Ilona Heron, the Islands Federation, and one of the leading group which has developed Bear Island Community Radio Station. Well done, John. And that ends this edition of This Island Nation, produced at CRY 104FM Yall on the East Cork coastline, with technical supervision by Justin Marr, and broadcast on community radio stations around Ireland, in Dublin on Near FM, Dublin City FM, Liffey Sound and Dublin South, on Dundalk FM, Athlone Community Radio, Galway on Connemara Community Radio and Convara FM, Clare on Radio Kirkabashkeen, Kilkenny on Kilkenny City Radio, Limerick on West Limerick, 102 FM, Mayo on Community Radio Castle Bar, on Cork City Community Radio, West Cork FM and Community Radio Bear Island, with podcasts on iTunes, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Spotify and the Maritimes.ie. And there's a special monthly edition on the National Council for the Blinds audio magazine. Wherever you've been listening, thank you for being part of the Maritime Community on Community Radio. And you can contact the programme on email to thisislandnation at gmail.com or by phone or text to 0872 555 197. That's email, thisislandnation at gmail.com, phone or text 0872 555 197. Until our next programme, from me, Tom McSweeney, the usual wish of fair sailing. Music